Hello and welcome to Nerd Vomit. My name is Doug. I'm a nerd and this is my vomit. You know who else is going to vomit with me today? Christina. Yeah, I said it. Say hi, Christina. What's up, nerds? There you go. At least you didn't say what's up, vomit. <laughs> so, I could have. I could have gone that route. You could have. And it would have been fine. I would have been fine with it. Uh, so, obviously, Christina was our quote-unquote intern for NDK. And I know I recapped NDK l- last week. Uh, but once again, here's another first-hand accounting of NDK. You had no idea. We worked together at the day job. And you had kind of no idea when I talk about working at a digital media outlet um, and covering things like Denver Pop Culture Con, Starfest, and NDK. You had really no idea, like, what that all entailed. Now you do. What are your thoughts about it? It's, it's really interesting. You know, going from just being an attendee of NDK where you just have to sit in the panels and you just watch them and just hearing about the celebrities being there to actually going behind and getting to meet them, it's a very different experience. It's actually really cool. I know you got to sit in on both of the personal interviews with Dante Basco and friend of the podcast, Queen D. What was it like kind of being part of that? What was it part like what was it like with that NDK overall? She's putting her thoughts together, folks. She's collecting them. She's putting them in a basket. <laughs> a freak basket, a fruit basket, a wicker basket. No. Some kind of basket we're gonna talk about later. No, it was it was interesting. It's you know different. I didn't really know what to ask them. I didn't really know much. So just being able to sit in and just hear you and Deb go go at it, minus the guy who took over our Dante Vasco yeah, interview. Yeah, no, there was yeah. I, I, I put the uh, preamble in there on that episode. <laughs> We yeah, you know, it's cool. I mostly just sat there and, and watched and observed and saw how it all went down. Um, Queen D's really cool, though. She's very down to earth. For She's like awesome. as, as I, the word flamboyant is not the right word I'm looking for, but as, as as colorful as she is, yeah, like she is very down to earth. And and I know that interview that we've got with her that didn't. Oh, good. There's deep cleaning, some <laughs> kind of drilling in the background now. I would imagine that's uh, much like we had Garbatron on No Applause, Just the Clap. We now have Cleanatron on uh, Nerd Vomit, so I apologize for that. Didn't think that went all the way through. So, sorry for the sound of what could be a dentist drill for a building uh, in the background. But, yeah, so NDK was a blast. Um, I talked about, you know, with Dante Pasco and, and Queen D. Um, you finally get to see what we were up all about, and the last day of NDK, you and I actually ended up meeting a fellow um, podcaster for the Nerd AF podcast, and he asked if you were like on-air talent, and you went, nope, and I went, would you like to be? So this is, you know, kind of you coming on and seeing kind of more of what I do. Now, this has been a very professional sounding interview with a co-host type person. Not what you're used to hearing on this show. So we're just going to get right into the review stuff uh, on the Vomitorium. Uh, Legion season finale. I know you don't watch Legion. Um, if you're, because you're not aware of it, it's great because I can kind of intro everything. And uh, 
I know this episode is, is, is going weird, folks. You're not used to this. Uh, me holding hands through the episode, but don't worry. It's uh, we're holding hands. We're skipping through dandelions, <laughs> uh, and we're skipping beers through. On the way. Yep, and having uh, some Droidoc apricot ale, uh, and I'm sure Jameson before the episode's over. But Legion uh, first season deals with because uh, it was a, season, a series finale. I finally wrapped up on first season deals with what is reality, objective versus uh, objective. Um, the premise basically is that there's this guy who's either the world's most powerful mutant, schizophrenic, or both. And being that the character has been around for about 20 years now, uh, spoiler alert, both. Um, this last season got fucking weird. Uh, David, the uh, Legion, uh, basically started a cult. Um, pumping his own happy thoughts through some kind of drug smoke uh, pig. Yeah, let that sink in. Um, I guarantee if you if you Google drug pig and comma legion, it'll it'll come up. It's terrifying. Um, but it basically just emits like his like happiness smoke through its teats, and people uh, inhale at the giant drug pig. Sounds very um, interesting. I have to say, I love the uh, that's the just description the thir- with your hands. Oh, that's ooh, <laughs> Thank God it's not a visual medium, folks. Um, but bottom line, this is a culmination of introducing, interestingly, Professor X, who is Legion's father in the comics, as well in the show, who in the comics, as well as in the show, initially, uh, Professor X fights the Shadow King, who's kind of the big bad of the first season, um, a weirdly redemptive character in the second season, um, and then kind of a weird, I wouldn't say anti-hero, but ethically murky character in the third. Um, yeah, Professor X fighting uh, the Shadow King in the Astral Realm, defeating him, and causing the Shadow King to kind of possess or inhabit uh, Legion from the first season. So this all ties in. There's a time traveler, which I think longtime listeners know, as I like to quote the Flash, time travel gives me a headache. Um, but this worked out really well. The way they visualize time travel is fucking bonkers. It's basically a hallway, and they have like doors that are like one week later, or like one week before, two weeks before, a month before, and if uh, you go far enough back, you release these insane cat demons smiling cat demons smiling cat demons yeah I know like once again Legion is one of those shows where the more I describe it the either stupider or crazier it sounds both I know but you do have the final culmination in the third season of uh, David and Professor X fighting the past and future don't look at me like that the past and future uh, incarnations of the Shadow King Ahmad Farouk so how does it end? Well, it ends as satisfactory as it could. Basically, Legion almost kills past Shadow King, but yet on the mental plane, astral plane, Professor X and the future or present um, Shadow King enjoy an astral beer and try to figure out a way around it. How to like kind of have a stalemate 
So it's very really interesting that you have like kind of the present character of Legion like being violent, but yet the present or quote unquote future Shadow King and Professor X from the past going like let's how do we do this peaceably? So really interesting dichotomy there. Um, basically, it's bygones uh, be bygones, and they kind of go just leave it be, and the past Shadow King never inhabits Legion, exacerbating his schizophrenia. Um, what does that mean for the rest of the show? Because that would have reset a timeline, uh, erasing relationships and other characters. We'll never know, because that was the last season. Sad to say that was last season. I, just based on like hearing, like, it's it's fucking crazy and I love it. It had a rap battle. It had a, a rap, rap battle? battle. Yes. Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. Uh, rap battles Jason Manzukis from Big Mouth and the League. And it is awesome. Like have I've rewatched that scene four times. Because both actors are like musically inclined, so their rap battles are actually decent rap battles. It's not like trying to watch Pierce Brosnan sing in Mamma Mia, like, it's it's not that kind of fucking trudging. Um, I have to watch that, episode, that scene. I literally texted uh, Deb uh, about that the rap battle is worth watching, like, up to that point. And I hadn't gotten past that point when I originally, of course, talked to her. Um, but yeah, like the fact that like at one point Jermaine Clement or Oliver in the in the, uh, in the show goes, there's only one way this can end, rap battle. I literally paused because I'm like, there's no way I heard that right. <laughs> Did Jermaine Clement just say rap battle? Did the hip hopopotamus really just take on Rafi from the league? And the answer is yes, folks. So let that cross pop culture metaphor sink in. Uh, almost the uh, almost the premiere, almost the finale. Uh, Preacher. Um, well, normally, like I've said on the show, I don't really talk about like what's going on in the show originally, um, outside of premieres, midseason finales, and finales, just because it's a lot of minutia. Preacher is on its last season as well, and um, fourth season, and they're chucking in every storyline they haven't gotten to in... So they're a, trying to smush it into like 24-ish yes. episodes. They are literally throwing in years worth of storylines into like a handful of episodes. You meet the Cunt Brothers. Jesse loses an eye. Uh, Star loses his leg and his genitals all in like two episodes. And that's over the course of two different storylines that are like at least... In the comics, eight issues, so eight months worth, like almost a trade paperback. Like so it's why a are lot they of finishing with the fort this season and not going on to another one. To... Well, um, I haven't, I haven't looked into why Preacher got its last season. I'm, I'm gonna assume ratings. Um, Preacher really went. The showrunners. Um, Sam Caitlin from Breaking Bad and um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg from like, you know, well, not, yeah, Seth Rogen, I'm right. Yeah, you know, I mean, we all know who Seth Rogen is. They really wanted to, I wouldn't say depart from the comics, but like they knew what milestones they had to hit or touchstones they had to hit, but they went, well, we can kind of take the long way around or do different things. 
which are more you know thematic or cinematic, uh, and that's fine. But I think they kind of went off the rails so much that hardcore preacher fans were like, "This isn't." Like they de- derailed it so far from where the comic was for the people who actually liked the comic to make it more appealing to those who are just going to watch the show. That right. it dropped some of their ratings. Well, that and preacher. The thing is, preacher laid the the, the groundwork that the comic laid. When something crazy fucking happens, like a morbidly obese man falls on Jesus's 2,000-year-old inbred retarded descendant, <laughs> and they both die in the you know resulting gut explosion, um, makes sense. In the con- or in the, in the show, not so much. Like a lot of the setup doesn't deserve. Let me rephrase that. The setup isn't there, but the payoff is, so it seems diminished. And that's, I think, part of the problem with Preacher, especially with this last season. Someone who's read the comic over and over and over. There's not a year I don't go by that I will not read Preacher from some point, especially from the Salvation storyline, which is fucking fantastic. If there's one storyline from that entire series, I will always recommend is Salvation. Salvation. Um, It doesn't make any sense because it's jumping into, like, the middle of it, but... Yeah, Jesse trying to remember how he lost an eye. God bites it out. Um, and ends up having to fight an insane, tiny racist who fucks a meat woman. I'm sorry, say what now? An insane... <laughs> yeah, now we've got crosstalk, folks. Where Jesse has to take on Odin Kincannon, a tiny man, like small in stature, who's part of the KKK... And fucks and fucks and meet women. I'll show you later. That sounded weirdly threatening. But she it's like meat, she has like yeah, like her head's like a backwards like chicken turkey thing, or bird. I guess. I mean, they're both birds. But it's got but it's like lipstick on it, and he says things like nibble the root while he's fucking it. It's bizarre. I'm t- <laughs> once again, the more I talk, and I've got her snorting on audio. On the internet forever. Preacher's heading towards its finale is my point, and they're shoving in all of this stuff. By the way, insane meat fucking person was actually in the first episode, and it was that he had a meat sculpture of his dead daughter, which equally as weird. Didn't fuck it, I hope. Don't know, didn't. They never really got into it. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Well, I mean, um, it wouldn't be Preacher if someone didn't fuck a meat doll, really. But, like, they really glazed over. There was an entire, um, like, three-issue storyline of this guy who throws, like, these insane drug-fueled orgy parties. And, like, it does move the story along in the comics, but in the show, like, they really just have Jesse save a kid who's obviously being exploited for pornography reasons. And it's, like, maybe, like, literally three minutes of screen time. I mean, they're literally shoving everything in. Like I said, the Cunt Brothers, um, who are these cannibals that eat Hair Star's leg. Don't worry about it, Christina. Um, well, it's honestly a lot to try to shove yeah, into, like, like it's few episodes. Preacher's got a lot. And originally, it was going to be on HBO with this guy named Mark Stevenson who was going to direct and be a showrunner. And he said, every episode is going to be an issue. And the, um, the writer of... Uh, preacher Garth Ennis said, oh, you don't need to be that beholden to the source material. And he went, yes, you do. Like, 
this is Zack Snyder walking around the Watchmen set with the Watchmen trade paperback going, this shoe was in the left corner, not the right corner. Like, one of those. I think Preacher needs that. Yeah. Just because it's so out there, it needs all of that setup to have satisfactory payoffs. We'll see how the finale's finale. We're going to see how the finale is going to be. Um, at this point, Jesse missing an eye. God bit it out. At least that part's right. Um, has returned to um, Cassidy and Tulip, his hit woman girlfriend and vampire best friend. Yeah. Uh, who they've thought dead for like months. Uh, and apparently it's right after they fuck. So that's when Jesse walks in. Going like, hi, I'm back. You thought I was dead in Australia. Why Australia? Don't know. Once again, a weird choice. The Outback. It's just a weird choice on, like, why they couldn't go to Arizona and do Monument Valley like the comic would have made so much more sense because it would have kept it in America because Garth Ennis, who's Irish, wrote this as this weird love letter to, like, Westerns and, like, the, the American dream. So to take it to Australia, weird choice. Yeah, that's um, kind of weird. Speaking of weird choices, I talked about this last week that I had ordered a bunch of books and they have come in. And I have started reading The Immortal Hulk, which, once again, sounds semi-dumb when I say it. This is the one you kind of went over at work the other day, wasn't Yeah, it? that I was talking to you about the first issue, yeah. So they've returned to kind of a weird form in that Hulk only appears at night, which originally was in the comics. Yeah. Um, and... It's really got, like, a weird horror vibe. Like, it's got, like, a very, like, Stephen King, Clive Barker vibe to it that I don't think about when I think of the Hulk. And, like, a lot of the visceral, and I do mean visceral, um, horror and violence in it is insane. There's a great cover, I think it's to the third issue, where it's literally a guy who's, like, holding his hand like a gun. He's obviously some kind of mutant. Um, and I've read it and I know, but he's not some kind of mutant. But, um, and he's shot the Hulk, and Hulk is looking through, from the front, a hole through him. And the camera angles from the back of the Hulk. So it's kind of cool because it's like the Hulk like looking through his own like severed spine, no lungs. Like, it's... And the covers are by Alex Ross, which I didn't recognize his art immediately, which is rare for me. Because Alex Ross... You recognize like everything immediately. Alex Ross's art very particular um, one of the best comic book illustrators on the planet ever um, a legend and I didn't recognize his covers at first like I was just like oh this is you know kind of neat whatever And um, but that I think it's the cover to the third ep- uh, issue of Immortal Hulk but I just got through the first trade paperback um, entitled Or Is He Both which is based on the first cover of the Incredible Hulk Is He a Man Is He a Monster or is he both? Uh, and this weird... I, I don't even care about spoiling it. This weird reveal of that... There's this thing called the Green Door, and apparently it's a doorway for uh, uh, Bruce Banner's abusive father's ghost to inhabit other people and, like, fuck with the Hulk's life. Is... Like, one thing, like, that sounds so left field for anything you'd think about with... The Hulk. Like, you yeah, think the Hulk, and you're like, Hulk smash, uh, even smart Hulk um, from, you know, Endgame and from the Peter, the end yeah. of the Peter David run with Dale Keown, because obviously I'm a huge comic nerd. 
yeah, so to, to have this like supernatural and horror aspect to the Immortal Hulk, I'm excited. And basically, the name of it, I will say, is from the fact that, yeah, Banner can be shot dead, but after the sun goes down, the Hulk comes back. The Hulk is immortal. So even after Hawkeye kills Banner, shooting him in the base of the fucking like skull with a uh, gamma irradiated vibranium arrow, which she goes, there should be no coming back from that, even with the Hulk's healing ability, like shoot me in the hypothalamus, it stops all autonomous, uh, you know, bodily behavior, um, breathing, yeah. heart rate, all that jazz. There should be no coming back, but it's sure the enough, immortal. The it's Hulk. the immortal Hulk. Not the immortal Bruce Banner. So really interesting. Um, I got the first three books, and I will say the third book, which I haven't gotten to, is called Hulk and Hell. So I'm curious as to what happened when Banner's body dies. What happens to Hulk during the day? Because if it's the immortal Hulk, it only comes out at night. It, they, it's weirdly implied that the two seem to like talk in his head, but not like kind Venom. Of like you would see. In Endgame, where they finally came to an understanding with the Smart Hulk. Well, the understanding with Smart Hulk was they kind of merged. Um, Doug's doing a lattice work with his hands, right, as we speak. Um, no, I need those visual descriptions, yes. folks. Also gets get to use the word lattice work <laughs> um, in real life. But this is more like, like they, once again, like, well, and and kind of like, and, and kinda like, kinda like an infinity, like, kind of like an there. infinity war, where he says like, "Oh, the other guy," like you know what I mean? Like they kind of have like a wouldn't say mutual respect, but they have an understanding of that. Like there's Banner and there's Hulk, and you want that guy, but then there's the other. Or oh, what is that line? I believe it's from the one of the Avengers movies, where um, uh, and the shot has appeared. Yes. Uh, Mark Ruffalo says, like, you know, I tried to swallow a bullet and the other guy spit it out. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, they are distinct personalities, but in the Immortal Hulk, it seems like they... They don't conversate, but they seem to, like, instinctively know what the other one's thinking. Like, okay. it's it's not like... Once again, like, it's not like the movie Venom or the comp character Venom where... It's very obvious that, like, the symbiote is talking to Eddie Brock, and Eddie Brock is talking to the... It seems almost, like, understood in an unspoken way that Hulk and Banner kind of... They, like, share the body. Communicate, the yeah. Like, they, they, they do share a body, but they also kind of share a brain in that. It's more of a... Yeah, I don't know how to... But, but it's... It's implied that, like, he does say something about, like, oh, the other guy knows this, you know, or, like, I need to, like, start sleeping during the day um, because when I stay up at night, like, I start feeling, like, the Hulk trying to get out. Um, or when I, yeah, I said stay awake, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's, it's been really interesting. I mean, I really haven't seen a version of the Hulk that I've wanted to read since, holy shit, I can't remember who the fuck wrote it. So, bad example, Doug. Um, I remember Mike Diodato Jr. did the fucking covers, and I can't think of who wrote it. God damn it. I wish I could help you with that. I, I know. Don't it was. It'll. Oh, Bruce Jones. I knew it was there. I knew, I knew it was in my head. Uh, when Bruce Jones wrote it, because he had a lot of, like, 
weird governmental um, and like political intrigue stuff with his and it was like kind of a new take on the Hulk and um, this being a new take with the Hulk uh, Al Ewing is the writer um, fantastic take so excited lastly uh, of course I have notes of course I have notes Oh, no, of course, he's going to jump to the video game section of his. All right, spiel. fine. We'll wait till the end for that rant. What? Okay, so you you've been kind of spurring me on. What about you? I know you're a big anime fan. Obviously, that's why we took you to NDK. Well, I was going to go anyway. Just that's it was true. more advantageous when you're like, hey, I got a press pass. And he's like, okay, now I'm going for free. Exactly. Skip, skip some lines. With some hiccups here and there throughout yeah, that with yeah. the the new rules for the press or whatever. But you've been watching something that ends in basket. Fruit basket. It's the new. They've like it was one from the nineties, and they've re. It's like, oh, what's the word? Where rebooted. They re, yeah, rebooted okay. it with better animation, better style, and all that to follow. I think more true to the story. I might be off on that. It might be the other one was more true to the story, but I know they rebooted it with better animation to hit this generation too. It's actually really good to her. I've always enjoyed the story. It's like a nice little slice of life. Slice of life? Yeah, where people are possessed by the Zodiac spirits, and when they are hugged by the other gender, they turn into the Zodiac animal. Oh, yeah, and my description of Preacher was fucking weird, folks. Wait, hold on. So they're possessed by Zodiac spirits, and yep. when they're fucked... No, no. Then they're just even, like, hugged. Hugged, Or touched by the other gender. It doesn't matter if, like, the, the other gender is possessed by Zodiac. It's just, if you were possessed by a Leo and I just am unpossessed and hug you, then I would Leo is triggered. Yes. Good example is Yuki is the Zodiac sign of the rat. That's not so a Zodiac. That's the Chinese calendar. The Chinese Zodiacs, not the... Okay, sorry, yeah. I apologize. Astrological Zodiac. That's what I was... Not astrological, the Chinese Zodiacs. Oh, Chinese calendar. Gotcha, yes. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. They describe it as a zodiacs in theirs because it's what it is. But he gets hugged by the main character, who happens to be a female, and when he's hugged by her, he turns into the rat. Turns into a rat, or turns has like into a rat, like a tiny little three-inch-tall rodent. Then goes on to cook in a Disney movie. <laughs> you know, he could be that little field mouse in the beginning of Lion King that gets almost eaten by Scar. Holy shit, I wonder if that was in the remake. Hey, I got a yes, question about was. Scar. Oh, was it? Yes, it was. I have a question about Scar. Totally different tangent now. Yeah, well, this is <laughs> what happens when I have a co-host. So, Scar is a grown adult when we meet him. And he has a scar over his eye. And they call him Scar. Is that a nickname? Or an unfortunately like foreshadowing name that he was given as a child? Or a cub, or whatever you want to call it. I actually do not know that. Right? Because you but, gotta imagine it's a nickname. So then, what is his real name? Because, like, he must have, if he's Mufasa's brother, he must have, like, a regal, you know, not Christian name, but I mean, like, regal birth name, name. Yeah. Like, he must have that. And then just loathe that people just call him this literal face, facial dis uh, deformity. That is true. I know, right? I do know that they... It's like, uh, not in the same way, but I'm just, like, positing, like, if, if just someone called you Nose Ring, like, 
Yes, it's a facial deformity. Yes, it is cosmetic and fashionable, but... Mm-hmm. It would be a foreshadowing that I would be getting. Right, right. like, or like, or were you just one. named... Nose piercing. <laughs> like, be that'd be name, fucking weird. I do know there's a Disney Channel show called The Lion Guard, which I believe goes into the story of how Scar got his, got his scar. scar. All right. It's up on my YouTube. I don't know why. I'm like, why is this here? I may actually look that up. Because obviously it's got to be a nickname. But still, like, you never think about it as a kid. You're like, oh, that's Scar. He's evil, whatever. Yeah. And I'm going, and Scar's an evil name. You know, it's hard sounding. Um, and I'm like, fuck. Like, his name can't be Scar. Because his brother's Mufasa. Like, which I'm sure means something wildly poetic and sweet in African. I'm not sure or what it not. is. Yeah, it could just be a vagina. I don't know. Here are my children. Vagina and Scar. They both mean gashes, but in different ways. Oh, Doug. Did you just say that out loud? Yes, I did. Yeah, you did, and it's recorded on the internet forever. It is, and I'm okay with it. Um, when are you ever not okay with something you say? Never. Or always. Unless you have a guest on... in front of your face, and then no. that's when you... No. Even then. Even then, that's how we get bingo. But anyway, that's a whole different story, folks. Lastly... His Sorry, I don't, yeah, I, I have to. I, I do have some notes on Borderlands Three. It's it's been a week since the release. I have talked to one of our mutual associates about it, as well as my friend Kate from I Hate Kathy Hammond. Uh, well, once and, I get to Kingdom Hearts Three, we'll have plenty to talk about. Oh yes, we will. Once I get there, I'll have to invite you back for that one. I know because uh, I know the whole backstory because I'm playing from the beginning to the the new release. You are, Hearts. and by the time you get done with three. Four, will Four be should released. be out, yeah. And that was what, twelve year, twelve year, you know, between uh, two and three. Was it really that long between the two releases? I, I, I remember two being out in my twenties. I played it back when I was fifteen, when I got my wisdom teeth out from Blockbuster. Let that sink in, folks. I run a video game. You from mean that store from Captain Marvel? Yeah. <laughs> I will say the two things I am. Still not thrilled about, and they're, they're weird not thrilled about. But because there literally can be a billion guns in this game based on their random generation engine, literally a billion combinations of guns. Great. One, I still haven't found my running, my, my gun with legs, which I'm sure will be found there's, later there's on. There's a gun with legs. Yep. I'll Are show you a picture of it later. Legs? No. <laughs> they're like those little, um, did you ever see Kingsman? Yeah. You know the like little like sling, not sling blade, but like the kind of curved blade legs that the um, yeah, yeah, Major yeah. Domo had? Like, they're like those. Oh, okay. Um, but basically, and it's from one of my favorite gun manufacturers in the game, because the gun manufacturer, whenever, in the previous games, when you'd throw the gun, to like, well, when you'd reload the gun, you'd throw it and it became um, a grenade. So basically infinite grenades as long as you had the gun equipped. This, now that's like... The gun right now I've got is a shotgun that when I throw it, or reload it and I throw it, um, it becomes a homing grenade. At one point I will find the gun that when I throw it, it grows legs and runs around shooting people. Because that's what I want. Also, I want my fucking shotgun that lights people on fire, which I still don't have and I miss from Borderlands 2. And that's kind of my point, is that there are so many iterations of guns that I've talked to two other players and we're really not impressed by the guns we've got so far at low level, mid level even. 
just because there's such a menagerie of them that like well, it's we like can't... that level range. Somebody's not playing that game. That's right. And, mid. Well, is that and, like a level twenty? Is like a mid or is that a low? Uh, mid's probably yeah, probably around twenty, and I'm at a level seventeen. Okay. Um, I think I j- I'm either halfway through 17 or I just got 17. It is always very depressing when you're playing a game and you get to like a mid-level like that and all your gear And is my crap. guns are still shit. Like, like I like my homing grenade reloading gun, but like my pistol sucks, my sniper rifle sucks, um, and I've got like gold keys that unlock like premier weapons, but it's based on your level. So I don't want to use them up when I'm still like a level 17. I'd rather wait till I'm like... 30-something, at least try to get something decent. But I've heard this from other players, that the guns are like, meh. And I I miss... Oh, except for the one with legs in Doug's mind. That and the gun I've got from... And I don't know what the, the model was, um, but it is a Tedior um, shotgun that basically, like, the... The percentage of that it could light someone on fire is almost 100% when you shoot them with it. And it's a fucking grenade. And the more ammo you have in it when you reload, it's a better grenade. I miss that gun desperately. I miss my character Zero. And to be perfectly honest, I'm having separation anxiety from Borderlands 2 while playing Borderlands 3. So Borderlands 3 doesn't have your character Zero in it. Oh, he's in there. But you can't play him? No, he's an NPC. It's much like in Borderlands 2, the original four Vault Hunters were NPCs. Uh, Lilith, Roland, Brick, and Mordecai. Um... And so far, the NPCs I've seen are Maya, the previous Siren, Zero, and Lilith. So, you know, outside of, like, Ellie, and God, that made me sad when she's starting to deal with... I haven't met Tiny Tina again, but Tiny Tina got super fucking real on the Borderlands 2 DLC, dealing with the death of Roland, and, man, that Dungeons & Dragons DLC got fucking real, folks. I know I've talked about it before. So, um, and then before we met up, I was running a little late because I was trying to kill who I refer to as Captain Dickface. Uh, It's the Captain Tunt, Trunt, Trunt uh, character. And the thing about killing him that sucked was I was a little worried about getting through it because their boss levels are a little uneven. And I couldn't progress in the storyline without beating him. So I'm like, and there's nothing for me to grind because I've already done all the side missions. So I'm like, I have to figure out a way to kill this motherfucker. Or you're stuck there. Or I'm stuck there over and like like some retarded version of fucking Groundhog Day on a video game. Fun fact, I did end up beating him. And uh, so I uh, can't wait to progress the storyline later because I have no fucking side missions to run. I feel like one of my favorite side missions you told me about was the flying toilet, which you referred to as, like, the pigeon missions in Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, I actually ended up kind of semi-fucking up that side mission on, Bo- on, on Borderlines 3. How did you fuck up that mission with the flying um, toilet? I wasn't paying attention, and apparently once the guy gets launched in a flying porta potty he ends up in a car being driven by a different, like, AI, and I wasn't... I was just like, oh shit, like, shoot it, shoot it. And it was like, you can either shoot it or try to save him. And I, of course, just shot the living shit out of it because it's fucking Borderlands. It's a looter shooter. Yes. And I was on basically the most lethal unicycle you could ever drive called a cyclone. 
Um, and uh, I still got the weapon that he like the illegal, illegal quote unquote illegal weapon. It was all right. I think I've already sold it. To be perfectly honest, like I said, like the guns are just even the children of the vault guns that were supposed to be like legendary kind of suck. Infinite ammo, but they like heat up and stop working, which is fine. But like, it's almost need, like a cooldown period just to be able yeah, to shoot which, again. Yeah, like, but like then again, like on lower levels, they're not that powerful. Like. Or it's a bazooka, and I'm like, when the fuck do I really use a bazooka? I don't. Honestly, like, the rocket launchers, I have rarely used in any of the Borderlands. Because their, like, fire rate's great, but, like, their reload is slow. Um, area effect is great, but I'd rather just have a shotgun where I don't... I basically spray, spray and pray, and don't have to worry about, like, precise aiming. Yes, I know. That also means other things in terms of creating babies. <laughs> but, uh, in that... I'm not going to compare my dick to a shotgun. So, Wouldn't from... Wouldn't stop you in the first place. You probably still would have done it anyway. Yeah, but then there would have been some really inappropriate joke from, like, Rick and Morty where uh, um, he says, I wish a shotgun was my dick. Uh, Jerry says that in the Cronenberg episode. He goes, I wish a shotgun was my dick. And his wife says, in that case, I wish I was Ernest Hemingway. And he goes... I don't get it, and I don't care to get it. Basically, she's talking about sucking his giant, like, sucking his dick. So, on that note, explaining a literary joke from Rick and Morty, uh, I'm Doug, I'm a nerd, this has been my vomit, nerd vomit, with Christina, and of course, with a co-host, it always seems weird to um, say my usual closing line, but I'll say it anyway, and I'm out. It's an honor to hear that. And I'm out. Like a boner in sweatpants. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Exotic Liability, No Applause, Just the Clap, and Black Falls. We can be found at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for The BACN on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Yeah.